0: welcome Sahar to the trigger to life podcast I am so excited to have you on'm just really honored to have you sharing your story with us today um for those of you who don't know Sahar she is an incredible mother friend uh wife daughter just an overall incredible human I've so enjoyed getting to know you in the past I mean I think wow I think we've almost I've almost known you a year. Almost,
1: almost, which doesn't feel like enough time, right? Like it feels like I've known you much longer.
0: Yeah. um, I think a Sahar is a soulmate friend and I've just really, really enjoyed your friendship. So we are having you on the pod today. Um, and I always like to start with the question of who is Sahar today in this moment?
1: Ah, oh, um, <clears throat> that's a good one i I think I'm a joy seeker i'm mm. I'm a seeker of joy. I'm a seeker of trying to be in the present um and I'm a seeker of just accepting whatever that looks like in this moment. Mm. So haven't figured it out, but like I think that's the seeking part, so just, mm. just yeah.
0: I love that, and we're gonna get into joy towards the end of the podcast today because I know that's a big theme in your life. or seeking joy is a big theme, um, and you've had a excuse my French fucking year, um, <laughs> yeah. And I looked at your. I was looking at your Instagram yesterday because I always like to go through people's Instagrams and. You know, you had a note that said 2019, like, you know, like F it. And I was like, yeah, F 2019, <laughs> but like, shit. You yeah. know, then you were gifted some weird way with 2020, right? And 2020 has has so many layers for everyone, but for you specifically, um, I would love for you to tell people. About Keon, and yeah. specifically to start, like about Keon's first three months of life.
1: Yeah. Um, so Keon uh, is my son. It's my, it's mine and Michael's son. Um, he was born on December eighteenth, two thousand eighteen, um, and he was he is. I mean, he was a, the best infant I had ever seen. Right. He was super easy. He was just um super chill always laughing always like happy to be held um a good sleeper which is so rare and my daughter just for context with like sleep in 45 minute increments until she was like 12 months old like it was, it was horrible um and the strange thing about even though him being such a great baby i always felt like very <sighs> I always felt like I would never have enough time with him. Right. I always felt like something was always a little off. Um, I kept taking him to the doctor They're like, Oh no, he's perfect. You know, postpartum this, or you're just, you're just being a mom, which is like, you know, kind of being like, stop worrying so much. It's yeah. like, yeah. Um, and, and it was, you know, I remember we finally, I finally got to a point where I was like, I have one more month of maternity leave and I am just going to embrace every day and just be happy about it. And um, and so, you know, like two weeks after that, when he turned three months old, um, he was super fussy, which again was unlike him. And I took him to the doctor and she immediately sent us to uh, Fairfax Hospital for imaging. And I just remember like, I just remember like, it's going to be gas. You're going to tell me I'm crazy and I'm going to laugh about it. And everyone's going to go on about, oh, Sahara, she's just like this neurotic mess and, you know, whatever. Ha, ha, mm. ha, ha. And I remember Mike's, Michael's face when they came back from imaging and just looking at him and being like, oh, shit. Like I knew. And they were like, yeah, the x-ray showed something so off that they have to do a sonogram now. And mm. so they did the sonogram and they were like, there is a mass. And I just felt like, I i knew I was standing, right? I knew I was standing up and I knew the ground was underneath me, but it was such a surreal experience, a feeling like, like someone was pulling a rug from underneath me, even mm-hmm. though I wasn't falling. Like I was still standing yeah. and I was like, I feel like I'm David Bowie in the labyrinth, just like, you know, walking, on the ceiling or I don't even know I'm not explaining it well probably want to cut that part out but like just like the rug being like pulled out from underneath Mm -hmm. me and I don't know it was very weird did I answer your question yeah
0: yeah yeah thank you um it sounds like the first of many out of body experiences that you know I can imagine in order to survive you've had to put yourself into in some sort of way over the course of the past couple of years.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was it was like the last thing you expect to hear, right? And it's just like, what is going on? So immediately, like, getting admitted into the on um, like the the hematology oncology unit at Fairfax Nova, um having another child at home, like immediately having to be split from my partner just because we had to manage like two kids and I remember my sister stayed with me that night which was like a huge source of comfort but like we're all scared shitless like you know this is perfectly fine like who had just had a three month checkup like two weeks prior to this with everything being like totally fine yeah now we're in a hospital right like (laughs) yeah yeah and
0: and so so what was Keon diagnosed with because it's very rare and
1: yeah. Um and, and I remember this specifically, like the radiologist had told the on-call physician, being like, listen, I see so many of these. It's gonna be a Wilms tumor. It has such a high cure rate. Like, mm-hmm. don't worry. And so I was I was like, okay, you know, like it's sol it's a solid mass tumor. There's nothing like it hasn't spread, it's gonna be fine. Well. <clears throat> two weeks after that hospital stay and like everything that went on to it, we went in to go get the diagnosis of the results of the biopsy. And I just remember walking into the room and being like, I know, not even, I just knew something was wrong because like I threw up before that meeting. And that's like a very, like, that's my response to like emotional, like whatever trauma or things that are going on is I tend to like purge. And so, Michael's looking at me. He's like, are you okay? I was like, no, just something feels wrong. And so we walked into the room and I was like, oh fuck, something is wrong. I mean, it's like half the hospital staff felt like it was in that room. And the doctor turns to me and she goes, I'm so sorry to say, but your son has one of, has a malignant rhabdoid tumor and it has like, a, we, I have not seen an infant survive. So, here I was with a three month old baby, three and a half month old baby that, like to again, almost like a month ago, was deemed perfectly fine, only to hear that he probably wouldn't survive infancy because he had something called MRT or malignant rhabdoid tumor.
0: yeah how do you I mean, how do you begin to even make sense of something like that when it <laughs> just doesn't make sense?
1: Um. I, I basically looked at her and I was like, is there a path? Mm. I I started crying and holding him and being like my baby, like how, like how could this happen to my baby? And then, and then I was like, snap out of it. We don't have time. We, I just, yeah, I was like, give me the path. Like, what do we need to do to see if he, he, if I can get him to, to cure and I go, are there options? And she goes, there are options. And so then she went through it, but it was basically like, don't give me the statistics. Don't Mm -hmm. give me like the, just don't, you've already given them to me. I have them, they're in hand. Now, like give me a path forward to like, try to avoid that. And and that's what we did. I mean, I just, I went into like what I always do, which is like, all right, let's plan the shit out of this and keep moving.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think that pragmatic side of you is watching you handle this the past year i i have never seen someone handle a situation so well even though you could have handled it terribly and that's okay too but you're such a like okay well like we'll do this we'll see how this goes okay we'll do this what's the next back thing while managing a a job while managing another child while running a household i mean I always go back to like, this is the worst thing that can happen to someone and no one should ever have to deal with this. And yet you done it in such a beautiful way. Thank you. What's Keon's message to the world?
1: Uh, his message to the world is, I just want to say it's love. Like he's such a lover. He is such a lover. And I remember Mike, um, he went to go pick up multiple things and he came back and he had uh, like glisten like tears in his eyes. And he goes, you know, I was thinking about Keanu my drive there. And he goes, he was such a lover and a fighter. And it's so like, it's so beautiful to think about those two things encompassed together. And I'm mm-hmm. like, that is who he is. He's someone who 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 fought because of all his love for the world and his mm-hmm. love for joy. So love love one another that's his message
0: oh yeah Yeah. i love kian he does he is such a lover he's like
1: such a lover
0: (laughs) so warm um what do you want him like how do you want him to be remembered Um, like what do you think of kian who would you what do you want us to think about
1: oh man (laughs) i want people to remember um uh, his love of life, his love of food, his love of hugs and singing and dancing. Hmm. And I think his genuine acceptance for for what is hmm. And I know that's something most of us struggle with, like wanting to force things to be different or um, looking for different outcomes and just instead of being like, well, Shit, man, this is what it is. And I can choose to find whatever I want in what it is, whether it's joy or pain or happiness, sorrow, whatever. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, we've talked a lot about this, but as someone who's going through grief, when you are surrounded by friends and family, I mean, I know you were surrounded by friends and family throughout a lot of your you know, your last couple of years. And one thing that stood out to me that you said recently, which was you've noticed that some people don't reach out because they don't know what to say to you or they don't know how to comfort you. And I think that's something that's really important to talk about because a lot of times people who are experiencing grief feel a sense of loneliness on top of the grief Mm -hmm. because people don't know what to say so they don't say anything at all so like as a friend what would you how do you want people to act towards you um well I yeah I think that that's so
1: that's so layered and 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 different for everyone but for me it's like just be comfortable being uncomfortable for me with me Mm -hmm. right it's like this sucks. And there's nothing you can say to fix it because like the thing to fix it would be to have it not happened at all. Um, and while like my personal belief is that he is in a better place, like it's, it's not him I'm worried about. It's my, you know, it's my pain, my sorrow, my daughter's pain, my, my husband's pain. And so it's, it's really like just be just be okay like watching me cry. Just be okay mm. like letting me be sad or whatever it is or even you know maybe laugh at my bad jokes because that is like how I tend to find my way out of the dark spots is is through humor. So yeah, I don't know. It is it is hard because I do think people struggle because they they're so uncomfortable with like this level of pain. And it also scares them, right? Like we were a very, we are a very like normal family. Like we live in a townhouse in Ruston, um, you know, had two kids, no like serious health issues, no lifestyle or environmental things that would have caused this. And it it just happened. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that people, when they see something like that, their fear almost like overcomes them. And they're like, if it could happen to them, it could happen to me. And then it's either like they stay away because they're like, I don't want to invite that into my life or. Or they try they try to show up and they like they're they're trying to be like that person's not in pain, so it's okay. And it's like, wait, no, but this is you know, this is kind of about me now. So I think I've just spent yeah. the last two years being all about this other person. And like, I'd like to be a little selfish right now and just have you watch me cry uncontrollably.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's such an important thing to remember. It's like we do so much to get out of our own discomfort. We're like, Oh, like we're going to avoid this situation and this situation. So like nothing makes us uncomfortable. And yet like having conversations with people that are going through shit and having in deep grief, like that teaches you a lot. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that you have to teach us something too, right? Like there's, you've, you've been through enough, but it's, it's, powerful to even be in your presence and to witness you move through everything you've moved through this year. And that's one thing that I thought about, I've been thinking a lot about the past couple of weeks is what a, um, how powerful it is to witness you and Mike just being and like seeing you laugh and seeing you cry and seeing you go through all these spectrums of emotion and interact with your daughter and like be there for, um, you know, key on and and raising money for, you know, a cause that you care so deeply about and everyone around you now cares so deeply about. It's just, I've really been in awe, especially as we've gathered more together in the past, you know, couple weeks. Yeah. 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 It's really nice to see how much, family and friends and like people don't just like kind of care about like you and Mike They like really really care
1: it's beautiful it's like it's so it's so it's so amazing right to like witness community and to up like I don't know. And and like, sometimes I'm like, oh, do people feel obligated? And I'm like, no, man, people would not put this much no. effort in out of obligation. Like this has to be love for Kian and our family. And yeah. And that makes me feel so good. You know, like mm-hmm. that makes me feel so, so good. And yeah. so held.
0: Yeah. Like even, even though it's because you've gone through so much pain, um, your level of connectiveness in friendship is just I think so much deeper than your average person yeah yeah
1: I mean I've always been like a very relational person like I I kind of I always joke like once I love someone or something I like love it for life like I I I always say like I meet for life whether it's like in friendship or relationships or whatever so um so it's like it's it's genuine right like I I truly love like my community and like my people and I I don't know
0: it yeah yeah um something you said to me a couple weeks ago (laughs) I like was running through all these things right yeah was you're like people are sometimes scared to call me and tell me about what they're going through yeah and Can you speak a little bit to why that's not true? Because I found this to be really powerful and not something I had thought about.
1: Um, Yeah, I mean, I I think it goes back to the whole entire mating for life concept or just um, when I love someone or something, it's like, I, I love them, right? And it's that I... Like, giving me an opportunity to serve somebody else or just sit with somebody through something is it does a few things. First, it's a distraction from from my own grief, which, you know, feels good sometimes. It also, um, it also, like, I can do both, right? I can can be going through whatever I'm going through and help somebody else. And it makes me feel, it makes me feel good to, like, give back It makes me feel so much more complete to be able to, to give, to give when I've been receiving so much. And, um, and yeah, I think a lot of times I hear, like, I just don't, I just don't want to bother you. And I'm like, it's Mm -hmm. not a bother. Like I am very comfortable with the idea of pain and like, sitting with you in it, like, let me sit with you in it, it's not Mm. gonna, like, make me feel worse, it will, in fact, make me feel better to know that I was able to hold that space with you, Mm. Um, so, you know, it's, like, sometimes I joke, like, well, it's more selfish, right, it's because I'm so Mm. selfish, I just want to, like, you know, whatever, but it's really, like, the the, the real concept behind it is, or the real, what, you know, the real spirit of it is that, help let's help one another like you know uh, you've helped me through something I want to be there to help you and it only deepens our connection right it only yeah. like strengthens the fiber of the bond and like I don't know just I don't see how that could be a bad thing right
0: yeah I'm like yeah no that was perfect I okay. that's exactly what I was what I was looking for it's okay. like I just find that so such a powerful sentiment because it's not, it's so counterintuitive.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I think about it. Like I have another, I have other like mom friends now that have gone through something similar. Um, And a lot of them are further out than I am because it's only been, um, it's only been four, four months. And sometimes I'm like, they're like, How are you doing? And I like tell them, I'm like, What how are you doing? They're like, Oh, you know, don't worry about it. Like, it's fine, I could just tell me about you. And I'm like, I'm like, okay. But I'm also like, but I really do want to know how you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, can I hold you while you cry? Or yeah. like, even if it's, you know, not like physically because, you know, fucking COVID, but like
0: <laughs> Yeah. I'm just like if, oh. if you ever need to cry and have someone rub your hair, like Sahara is the perfect. <laughs>
1: and it makes me feel so good like I don't know does that make me weird
0: (laughs) no it it was you know because Sahar has rubbed my hair while I cried before and um it's you're like it it just made me think like oh my god like Sahar is like the best mother ever (laughs) like I, I always tell you, I'm like, you have the mom of the year award for life. and But it just comes, it's because it comes so naturally to you.
1: Yeah, it feels good to nurture. It yeah, feels really good to nurture. I love it. You're so good at it. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I um,
0: try. You are. I mean, it's really, it feels good. Um. So I took a course last year on... well, I took a yoga teacher training, like a grief yoga teacher training, right? And we talked a lot about the five stages of grief and we had a grief expert, David Kessler, come and speak speak with us about grief. And I kind of wanted to know what your experiences with the five stages of grief have been thus far.
1: I don't know what the five stages of grief are, if you can imagine.
0: (laughs) Well, (laughs) like, so the, you know, (laughs) about... I will tell you what the five <laughs> stages of grief are, but of course you have your own experience, but for people in the audience, if they are wondering, like it's denial, anger, bargaining, depression and acceptance. Okay. And then they just added a sixth one, like a year or two ago called finding meaning.
1: Okay.
0: But that can't happen until you go through all the other ones. Okay. Supposedly. But the cool thing about the five stages of grief is that you you they're not linear so you go through them continually yeah um you know i'm up until a certain extent and then i'm sure it changes and maybe it's more linear maybe you're you know more in acceptance than you are in depression or anger but um you know it's it's a framework that can be be helpful for people but after naming those do you have you experienced (laughs) all of those or more like what's what's your flavor of of the week
1: I mean, I think that I had denial right at the beginning of his diagnosis. And I was like, there's no way, like, did they make a mistake? Like this can't be right. It's gone. He doesn't have cancer. They resect. Like they're nuts. Like they just want to give my kid chemo for shits and giggles, you know? (laughs) Um, and I don't, I don't see, I, I don't know if I've ever gone through anger, like Mm. anger, anger, like prolonged. Right. I've had moments for sure um and over like irrational things it never my anger never presents at the thing that would be most apparent it always presents in like the peripheral stuff because I I already know I can't control the thing that's like most apparent so instead I lash out at like the things that I'm like but I can't control this and it's like it's super dumb shit like and I'm like almost afraid to say because I don't want to like offend people but like So I'll say this and say, know that I'm totally irrational folks. Like when this is happening and it's not about you, it's a hundred percent about me, but like people sent me, um, wind chimes, like i got like five or six sets of wind chimes and, and it's a beautiful sentiment. And I I also got like this giant like placard with like, that was like a heart. That was like the size of my head. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and angel wings and like, um, religious like stuff you know like Mm. and and that's the stuff I got angry at because I'm like where am I gonna put it like what am I gonna do with this and then what the real issue is is like I didn't want to get it I didn't want the gift because it was like the reminder of like what had happened to me Mm. or it's like I didn't need the reminder I already know like (laughs) it's it's very apparent that I birthed a child I've birthed two children and that only one of them is physically here with me right so it was like Ah, why? Uh, And Mike would just look at me like, why are you such an angry person? (laughs) I'm know. Yeah. But you know, it wasn't, it wasn't at like the actual, it wasn't at, Oh, I'm mad at God or I'm mad at, um, I'm mad at the, I am mad at like, I'm not mad at the doctors. I'm mad at like the system, right? I'm like, I'm mad at like the things that I feel like I could actually like try to make mm-hmm. an impact or I'm mad that there's not enough funding for pediatric cancer. Right. Like, um, but I don't feel, I don't know. I don't feel depressed. I mean, I'm sad, but I'm not like, I'm not, I don't think I'm clinically depressed. Yeah. I know that neither one of us are psychiatr- psychiatrists, yeah. I could say, but, um, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like it totally resonates yet. Maybe it yeah. will. Maybe because it's not linear, I'll drop back into it at some point and be like, oh yeah.
0: shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. I mean it's it's an interesting framework. And it's um, you know, if, if people do want the resource, it's David Kessler and he him and Elizabeth Kubler Ross are like the foremost experts. But
1: you know I also, so I also curious like is it more like what happens when you're when your grief period is so prolonged I feel like I've been living in this for two years right so versus something that all of a sudden happens like a car accident that just you know yeah. so well,
0: there technically is like a diagnosis called prolonged grief
1: yeah
0: um that we learned like they he spoke briefly on which you know like I don't know how you couldn't have prolonged grief over awful, terrible things. Like you could probably have prolonged grief and still live your life and experience joy. And like, you always have a little bit of grief. Like, do you ever really get over something that, you know, do you need to ever get over something? What does getting over something even mean?
1: I don't, you know, I struggle with that. Um, a lot of times people are like, you'll never be the same. And I'm like, yeah, but I was never going to be the same anyway. Yeah. Right. Like I'm, Independent of like this tragic thing that happened, like I I wouldn't have been the same. Yeah. Like, someone, something, some event would have popped into my life that would have changed me, right? And yeah. Um. And and so I I kind of bristle at that a little bit because I'm like, yeah, I would never have been the same. Like to be yeah. stagnant in life is to not live. Like.
0: Yeah. And or, yeah. But also, what's more like painful, like allowing the change to change you or being resistant to changing and getting frozen in time.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I just, I don't know. I, there's just so much joy to be found. Right. And, and I still have another child that like really needs me to show up for her. Right. So, yeah. um, I don't, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want her to not feel love because like I am really good at giving love. Like, yeah. I love to love. And like, why deny? Why? Why? I don't know. Why deny that? Because, or anybody else in like our our world yeah. that because of one huge, huge event. I'm not trying to minimize by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, right? Like, what happened is fucking awful. But I don't know. I just, I feel like there's just so much to give still in life, and I want to yeah. give it.
0: Yeah. Um, how do you show Yara that it's okay to grieve? How do you talk to a child about like
1: Um. You know, <laughs> I got called out by her art therapist a little bit. Cause I was like, I was trying to talk to her about like spirit and like, you know, yeah, this is a physical <laughs> container and like, you know, there's something bigger than this. And she got so confused. And like the therapist was like, you have to use concrete terms. You have to be like, he's dead and i and i hate that cuz i don't think that he's dead dead right yeah. like um and so i was like okay and that was hard because i don't that like yeah. you know, goes against like my belief system but you know you just kind of you kind of just say yeah cry it's the same way you deal with adults you cry yeah. you love- Cry. You don't try to fix it, and and I'm a classic fixer. Like I want to fix everything. Like yeah. the second I see someone crying, I'm like, oh my god, what can I do? Yeah. can do anything. So, um, you know, a lot of times we've we've used some of the tools that you've taught me, Cami, which is a lot offer a pillow to punch. Um, mm. a pillow. We do a lot of howling at the moon. <laughs> um because it's something like kian used to do and yeah uh, we Aww. you know we just i know it's so cute um we just tell her it's okay to feel whatever she's feeling and mm-hmm. we we tell her that we we miss him too and that's okay and um you know we don't we don't try we just try to like let her have them
0: whatever yeah. it is yeah what uh, like how do you parent when you're so deep in grief, like through the past year, have you found it? Yeah, hard,
1: hard, hard, hard. yeah, Yeah, really hard. Um, I am really, really fortunate. I just wanna give like a huge shout out to like our our family um, who even with the pandemic kind of, no, totally like took the right precautions, like got tested regularly, wore masks um, as soon as they could get, well, vaccinations came afterwards. but. we are so beyond blessed right we have so yes. much family here we have so many friends um we we i leaned on them i mean we leaned on yeah. them we we truly like leaned on them so that's part of the reason why i'm like thank you for help like when i say i want to help it's because i have received so much in this process mm-hmm. that i am not as like depleted as one might think right i have received a lot and and that's how we got through it. I mean, like, you know, we we had a live-in. Um, she, you know, she is, she is a member of the family um, and she like totally picked up where we could not. I mean, we were just, again, so fortunate. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. We just, we got really, I delegated, which is not the same as like me parenting, right? But I knew where my mm-hmm. weak spots were and I knew how bad my anxiety is or was at that point and i didn't want her to have to be in that space and i also didn't want to have to like deny what i was feeling so could i have pushed it down probably would that have like served me long term probably not i mean and then in the times where we didn't have help i mean activities i like we crafted the shit out of the house like i mean
0: (laughs) yeah yeah what um Going back to, like, the anxiety that you had or have, like, what is, what is, like, a looping thought or, like, something that comes into your mind that you're just, like, ready to let go of and you're, like, ready to leave in the past?
1: Oh, man, that I could have done something, that, you know, I missed something or that, um, maybe this is bargaining, that I could have changed the outcome,
0: you know, Mm. that I
1: uh yeah i just think like oh, what about that one time you know what about what if we had done immunotherapy before like the biologic like what if yeah you know and it's like what if i had insisted what if um even like to the point where like sometimes you're like what if we didn't have like sex that one time that like led to his conception <laughs> and like we would have been out of this so um not in like this world of pain so i I mean it's just so many of them um yeah might have let go of the what ifs
0: yeah yeah and yet like for some weird reason you've had to experience this in this lifetime and it doesn't make sense and you know it does sound a little bit like bargaining which is as we as we know, normal, right? Yeah. Like you are well equipped, you and Mike are both so well equipped for the role that you played in Keon's life. And yet you five years ago you would have never saw yourself in this situation. Mm-hmm. Like, do you ever ask yourself, like, why me?
1: No i mean i know that that's i don't know i mean i don't say that like lightly because i guess like i've had other things happen in life that have kind of like beat that thought process out of my head yeah. um, you know i was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis at a very young age um i had like a total you know i i had my own like what i felt like was a near-death experience being like super sick with like colitis and needing like you know really bad like really quick surgery and like all this kind of stuff um and and that started when i was like 16 actually no 14 and it went until i was like 22 so i mean you know i just I think i could have like sat there ruminating on like the why me through that experience and i don't know it wouldn't have brought me any joy it wouldn't have brought me any peace like yeah. it's an unanswerable question um yeah. And I, you know, I I just didn't see, I just didn't, I mean, I have thought like, why Mike? Why does this have to happen to him? Like, why does this have to to, to happen to Yara or my mom or my dad, my sister?
0: It sounds like you were no stranger to the medical system, right? Like being diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and going through tons of health struggles. I mean... Do you think that sets you up in some weird way to know how to navigate talking to doctors and advocating for yourself?
1: Yes, absolutely. Actually, this is why this is part of the reason I don't ask why me is that through all those experiences, um, I've come to like see like synchronicity in life. And I kind of just assumed that everything that I'm going through is preparing me for something. And so I. I have seen so many things come full circle, not just in like my life, but other people's lives that I'm like, okay, like, this is just, this is what it is, man. Like I got to get through it. And yeah. the YV is, is not the, it's a, it's a distraction from like the journey and what I've learned. It, it takes away from like being like, okay, let me go back through like my memory box and see what tools I can pick out instead. If I'm focused on like, why this is happening.
0: Um, mm-hmm.
1: uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I do think that my experiences, I mean, a hundred percent helped. It helped me understand the hospital system. Yeah. It helped me understand to talk to doctors. It even piqued an interest in biology. So like when yeah. they speak to me, like I, I can ask the questions, right? Yeah. I can ask questions because I took. AP biology and in, in high school I took human anatomy and physiology I at one point thought I was going to become a doctor and then I realized yeah. oh my god I hate the smell of formaldehyde there's no fucking way yeah uh, so clearly not like the path I was supposed to take if that's all it took to determine you, but like, <laughs>
0: yeah yeah uh,
1: and at one point you know Kian had a GJ tube, which is a tube that goes into two parts of your intestinal tract and I remember looking at him and being like this reminds me of when I had a colostomy bag. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh my God, but even just having that own like got ga- those gastric issues and going through those things. And like, you know, I understood like what they were doing to him, I understood yeah. where it was, going and like how it worked. And I mean, that doesn't mean to say that I know it perfectly like a doctor or a nurse. But yeah. again, it's one of those veiled blessings and that like, yeah. like,
0: that we were lucky yeah. and, and you know, one interesting thing that I remember you telling me once is you you didn't really think you were going to be able to conceive.
1: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I, because of like all of my um medical history, they were like, there's no way. There's no way your tubes are blocked. Like there's just like we went we went through IVF three times and I did not get pregnant. Um, and you know we had kind of decided that we were going to give it like we're like okay we could try one more time we could look at adoption and we were like kind of oscillating between the two thinking and then i found out i was pregnant with yara through a spontaneous conception like it just happened and um and 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 that i think was part of the reason that i was like i don't want the statistics yeah because there's an outlier to everything yeah so, yeah. yeah, I know. I just, it's science is amazing, but people like really forget like it is an art, right? It's not mm-hmm. an exact anything. It's just,
0: I don't know. yeah. So. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think it's, yes. It's yeah. I don't know, which is so cool. Yeah. It <laughs> is. So, obviously, when you go through something like this, you're in fight or flight response. You're in that go, go, go mode. You're in survival mode and you have yeah. been probably since 2018.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. What effect does that take on your personal relationship with your husband?
1: Oh, uh, that. Yeah. Um, it's hard. It, it's like, I mean, Marriage is hard. Marriage is the union of two people, or partnership. I'm not even called that because, like, I and partnership is hard. Partnership is between two people, two individuals is hard because you're individuals, right? And you have your own wants, your own desires, it balancing against theirs. And then on top of that, add like the most unthinkable thing that could happen to to people to someone mm-hmm. to lose. lose a child to to lose it's very outside of the natural order right like we yeah we expect to lose our parents we expect to lose um i don't know like older people right um and mike and i we, we struggled we really 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 struggled we struggled because we Love each other, and we weren't understanding one another, and we struggled because we cope with stress extremely differently, mm-hmm. and we um, we struggled because in an effort to uh, be there for the other person, we were living less authentically as individuals, which only like makes things worse, right? Like, yeah. um, and to be like completely frank, I, in my head, like after Keon transitioned, I a hundred percent thought we were going to get divorced. Like I was Mm -hmm. like, yeah, we are not going to make it because I can't, I can't live like this. I can't live with a partner who thinks that I'm angry or that I'm yelling all the time or that I have no right to my emotions. And, 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 you know, and and he can't, he should find somebody that just wants to like wander the world and you know like go camping all the time or or whatever you know yeah. like um and and i basically I, I remember thinking like okay we're we're gonna we re- re-enter couples therapy and put outcome on a shelf and just kind of be yeah. like listen we're not doing this to fix we're doing this to understand one another and then make like an informed decision as to whether or not like we should yeah we should continue in partnership like in a union or if we should continue partnering as parents right like and and yeah we just we really started opening up connecting Mm -hmm. and talking about it and you know a lot has come out about Just really feeling both of us feeling so misunderstood, right? And and it's because we're in this constant like fight or flight stress response. Yeah. And um. And yeah, it's it's really 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 hard. It's really hard, and I feel like I'm not. I don't remember what the question is at this point. No,
0: I, I mean, I'm just saying, like, what happens to a marriage when you're yeah. go through extreme amounts of grief? I mean, you're answering the question beautifully
1: okay okay good yeah so you know i yeah i think that we're really lucky again to have the health insurance and could go to therapy therapy and like just have access to people that have like alternative views on grieving and connecting like even just screaming into a pillow you know um yeah. and yeah it was hard
0: do you do you well can you give people like a little snapshot of like kind of like the self-care, it takes post, you know, post, you know, big T trauma, like to bring your body back into an equilibrium, because I think that is something that people never sometimes find for themselves. And I think you're a great example of like, you know, using your tools to bring a sense of normalcy, even though that's probably not the right word um back into your life
1: um yeah so i still feel like i'm not totally there yet um it's only been like four months uh and i you know i think that um i think the first month i was mostly in shock but i didn't realize i was in shock because i was still moving right like i was still kind of moving um and in the second month, I think I was then like, just so focused on my marriage and like, whatever. It was almost like another trauma response, right? Cause I was like, oh my God, like what is happening? And then I would say in March, like when things with Mike and I like got to a good spot, like whenever, when all the pieces kind of like settled, right. Yeah. And Mike and I were again aligned and like Yara was calming. I mean, and she had a huge inflammation response. Like she She has eczema and like, it was so bad. Um, once that had also calmed down, I was able to start like feeling my body more and like what did mm-hmm. that look like? It turned into like lots of Epsom salt baths, lots of honestly like juicing and going back to making smoothies. Um, I went back to like remembering to take like magnesium or just even shutting off my phone at like a yeah. decent hour and putting on like the notification, like turning on the do not disturb notification. Yeah. So that I wouldn't be distracted or like whatever like blue light does to your brain or yeah. <laughs> um and it also became forcing myself not forcing myself but a allow- giving myself permission to cry mm. to like help release like what was being held in my body and um you know sometimes like I've, I'll be going about my day and I'm like I haven't cried today I haven't mm. looked at any photos and I'm going to sit down and do that and I'm going to allow myself to feel like Everything that goes with that, like the dread, the you know, the the looping thoughts, just to like get it out, right? Just to like keep moving it so it doesn't get shoved into some compartment in like in my whatever physical being.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. Yeah. So I remember I called a friend, um, maybe like three or four weeks ago and i just sobbed uncontrollably like ugly crying and she was just like let it out let it out like it's okay like yeah. and, and but the first thing she said is what do you need do you need me to listen do you need me to talk and i was like just listen and i just sobbed and it was yeah. so good and i was so exhausted after that i felt yeah. like it's great
0: yeah like it there is really something to moving emotions up and out of the body in whatever way they come up yeah It was great. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Big fan of crying. (laughs) It's great. (laughs) So I have a few more questions for you. One is cultivating joy is part of your, you know, something you want to bring into different parts of the next year. Right. Yeah. How, how can we help you do that?
1: Um, well, Let's see. I I don't know. Just well, first of all, letting me help you if you need something. I mean, even if you don't need something, god damn it, if you want like a nice vegan soup made, I'm your girl, damn it. Like I'll bring like I um or or non vegan, I don't care, whatever you want. Like (laughs) let me cook for you. So I I mean that does bring me joy. That brings me joy to serve. Um, it brings me joy to get out and to laugh. Um it brings me joy to talk about Kian and it also like, it's okay in the process of finding joy to be sad, like a little sad, right? To, to cry about it. And, um, I don't know. I just, yeah, call me, text me tell me you need me and want me. I don't, like...
0: Yes. Um, Sahar's love language. I don't know if she knows this, but it's definitely words of affirmation.
1: I don't know this. I've never taken, I don't know if, if I've taken the quiz or maybe I did take the quiz. Um, it's also physical. no, I did take the Wait. quiz cause I, Mike and I need to take this. Maybe we want to cut some of this stuff out, but like, yeah. or whatever it might. Um, but I, I was like a physical touch. Yeah. Whether it's like, I mean, whatever, like just even a hug or like snuggling and, um, like I don't remember the other ones, but I might've been like acts of service.
0: Really? I would have said physical touch and words of affirmation.
1: <laughs> I honestly- words make me uncomfortable, actually, but I, I'm trying to get better at accepting them. So I must be doing a good job.
0: <laughs> or maybe like texts of affirmation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, I love those. Uh, so since Kian's transition, you have set a goal to raise $100,000. Yes. Um, we, you had an auction and an amazing event last weekend at yes. uh, a brewery in Middleburg to raise money. How can people donate? How far away are you from your goal? And let us know how we can, we can help you out. Um,
1: people can donate, uh, directly on, can I send you the links for that or no, I'll, put it, I'll put it in the they, show notes. Okay. They can, they can find me on Instagram um if they want uh i don't do anything profound other than like post things here and there uh, no. but but I, I created a link tree with all the links to things which i was very proud of so. <laughs> um so there's a giving page uh, so just a little bit about the cost sorry let me is that okay if i yep. talk about that part? okay um we started when kian passed i again because i didn't want things and like action i was like don't send flowers give money to Keon's giving page at Dana-Farber because this mm-hmm. will go directly towards funding um, pediatric research, um, oncology research, and treatment options, and that is woefully underfunded. I mean, pediatric yeah. research, oncology research only gets like 4% of the federally allocated funding. So, I mean, like truly your donations, even a dollar makes a yeah. big fucking difference, right? Um, and the fund will go specifically towards these things like it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's held and curated by Dr. Elizabeth Mullen at Dana-Farber she is very connected to the families that are going um, through this and and we will get an update on the research um, which mm. I will send to people um, yeah. But it is it is probably gonna be around circulating tumor DNA which I can also send some articles to put in yeah. the show notes if people want yeah um, which would have a universal effect on all types of cancer not just the one that um, Kian was afflicted with so which is amazing because I couldn't think of anything more Kian than mm. universally like helping yeah as many people as possible um and we have a goal of a hundred thousand um, dollars. I know. I'm like, what was I thinking? No, like, I like, overachiever. So, <laughs>
0: we're, so, we're so close.
1: I think we're at like sixty thousand, maybe a little bit more, maybe
0: sixty-two. So in it's been yeah. like four months since we started. Like, yes, you are the best overachiever, and we're definitely going to hit <laughs> that mark. <laughs>
1: Um, and yeah, so, you know, we also have a t-shirt, no, I'm sorry, I'm in a t-shirt shop anymore, which I am, um, I'm wearing one of our designs, um, Love it. and, uh, we have a merch shop, so people, if they're like, ah, they need to buy a gift or want to get like a cool t-shirt, um, they can, they can purchase through, through that, um, and, you know, all of the, all of the proceeds from that go to the Dana-Farber, um, fund, I have a very complicated spreadsheet where I like can show down to the order, like how much of each thing was donated. So people can, oh. if they're ever curious, I can, I can do that. Cause you know, accountability is also like really big for me. So I'm like, I don't want, you know, I want people to know like the money's going
0: where we're saying it's going. Of course. And really impressed that you've set up all of that in the past four months. <laughs> want to oh. continue to acknowledge you for that because... It's incredible. and you're incredible. Thank you. And I feel so honored for you to have shared your story with us today. I feel like we'll have to do a part two at some point because there's just so much more we could talk about. Um, I love you and I love you too. Oh, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today,
1: yeahmmy, can I just tell you like how much fun this has been, and um never in well, I always think that I have never interesting to talk about, nothing interesting to talk about. But um, thank you for this opportunity, and I think maybe you know uh, proving me a little wrong because I guess some of this stuff is interesting.
0: It is interesting, and you are incredibly interesting, and you speak so well. You know, you I think you have a future in sharing your story even more. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah, I think this is. I have a feeling this is just the beginning thank you of course have a lovely rest of your day I love you I'll talk to you soon